Welcome to the IMDb Journey podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and I'm proud to say that we have a new sponsor for the show. Benny fucking Hana! Why? Why? Why, God? <laughs> all right, and I'm Dean Jeffrey, and all this movie made me want to do was take fucking Quaaludes. <laughs> And today we're breaking down Marty Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. Dean, how you going, mate? I <laughs> <laughs> haven't yep. seen you for a couple of days. Yeah, it's been a long time. Not not long enough, though. Um, no, I'm doing really good, really good. Uh, obviously, we had a fine weekend together, did we not? Yeah, it was all right. Well, we had a dinner together and a, a couple of drinks. A few drinks. Uh, you had to pike it, though. Yeah, I had work the next day. Not good enough. Well, actually, that's that's probably not even the reason. Like, I had a babysitter waiting that I had to get home to. Nah, lift your game. We don't get to go out <laughs> no, a lot together. No. You know who needs to lift their game? The in-laws, okay? The <laughs> in-laws need to lift their game. <laughs> I guess what? What? I played golf again. <laughs> Getting into this golf, aren't you? Oh yeah, no, it's good. It's it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm really I'm genuinely surprised you're not you're not keen to come out with us and have a hit. Hey, I'll be keen when I get an invite. Oh no, no, <laughs> you cannot say that. You unsociable bastard. What else are we doing today, Hendo? Well, after our breakdown of The Wolf of Wall Street, we're going to be looking at some of the reviews that you, the listeners, gave. We're going to take a look at some answers of our question of the week, which is, what is your favourite Leonardo DiCaprio film? A lot of good choices, I must say. There's heaps of good choices. Certainly better than our Richard Gere one. Yeah, I've seen 20 DiCaprio movies, so... I didn't keep count of how many I'd seen. I know I've got five this time. I didn't have to do any extra work, so I'm happy with that. Oh, well done. And then after that, we're going to take a look at the results of the movie draft that Dean and myself did for our Pod V Pod 20. And then we're going to take a look at the round of 16 in the best 1970s film tournament. And then after all that, it's time for me to choose a movie for next time. Yes, of course, because we had patron Chris pick this one for us. So Yes, and what a delightful pick it was. It was much better than his uh, patron requested film, Margaret. Yeah, I think he's still a bit bitter about that one. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Chris. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> but as usual, let's take a look at the current numbers from the movie watching challenge between Paul and myself. I'm winning. I'm winning. And at the time of this recording, I am sitting on 258 to Paul's 301. So I caught up a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you have caught up a little, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Been a, bit, a little bit more persistent this, this go around. So let's see what the numbers say next time as well. It's crazy how many movies you guys are watching. Not so much you, but especially Paul. Why, why, is, it not, why is it not for me? Mate, once you've watched over 300, come and see me. <laughs> oh. I think I've watched 80 for the year, just putting that out there. <laughs> That's soft as shit. It's too much golf. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, yeah, honestly, like Game of Thrones is finished now. Survivor's finished. So um, there's less. Because that was taking up so much of your time. It, do- it takes a night. Like it takes up a night. Uh, if I watch, you know, one of them, I'm not watching a movie that night. So it does. Uh, mate, I go to sleep. You these sleep, last, do you? These last few it's days. Weak. I've been going to bed some fucking early times, like 8.30, man. Do you ever go to bed at 8.30? No, I'm watching movies. Podcast. Podcast? Sorry I'm I'm so committed to the podcast. (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) Got that on record now. You're saying you're going, ooh, podcast, ooh. (laughs) I didn't say ooh. You just did then. And I was imitating you. (laughs) So, yes, I did say it because that's how you sound. Give me the update. All right, Hendo, what's going on on the IMDb Top 250 list? Well, I actually did a full update this time. I haven't oh. done one in a while. 
Really? There's actually not too much to look at. We did see that Inception has moved up to number 13 over Empire Strikes Back, which is down to 14 now. Wow. It's pretty high. Not bad from Inception there. Very high. Uh, last time we talked about Endgame, it was at five, I believe. We It's peaked at five. It's dropped down to 17 now. So, yep, going to make a steady decline down. Gladiator has gone to 47 over Raiders of the Lost Ark. Spider-Verse has gone from 50 to 56. So... That's that's roughly where I reckon it'll stay. We also see that Toy Story has gone from 89 to 86 over 2001 A Space Odyssey and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. The 2018 released film Ad Hadhum is steadily dropping from 152 to 161. And that's about it for the changes overall. We do have a new film that has debuted into the list at number 223. What's and, dropped out? And that is Raise the Red Lantern. Have you heard of Raise the Red Lantern? Uh, No. It's a 1991 Asian film, I believe. Oh, yeah. How have I not heard of it? How did you not hear about that? Had you heard of it? Yeah, it's in the top 250. I know about it. Yeah, bullshit. And looking right down at the bottom, in the list now is Akira. That's back in. And out of the list is The Best Years of Our Lives and Winter Sleep. So overall, not a lot of changes over the last month since we did it last time. That's good. All right, everyone, before we get into our breakdown of The Wolf of Wall Street, please be warned, we will be spoiling the entire movie from the jump. So if you haven't seen it, you've been warned. And with that being said, we're going to take a quick break here, give you a couple of promos from some other awesome podcasts out there, and we'll be back on the other side with The Wolf of Wall Street. I'm Jay. I'm Bob. And I'm Corey. We are the Cretans Guild. We're a trio of man-children whose friendship predates The Lion King, Green Day's Dookie, The N64, and The Chunnel. We have backgrounds working in television, video games, radio broadcasting, creative writing, and pizza delivery. That's a large cheese, right? On our podcast, Nerd or Not, you'll hear us talk about board games, TV, movies, comics, collectibles, video games, wrestling, theme parks. We even did a segment on pizza. So check and listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. And check out our socials on Twitter and Instagram under Cretans Guild. Welcome to the Guild. Ever come across a song with millions of streams but you aren't too familiar with the artist? Well, I, Brennan Gennetti, am offering you a chance to learn more about the up-and-coming recording artists behind these tracks in my interview-style podcast, Music You're Missing. Listen along as these rising stars dissect their music, discuss their artistry, and share their aspirations. Featuring interviews with The Brummies. Tyler Cordy. Chloe Gendro. Okay, Will. And many more. And don't forget to follow my Spotify playlist of the same name to listen to music from all artists featured on the show. We're almost at 800 followers. So head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or Google Play to listen to music you're missing. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us five stars. Thanks for listening. Hey, listen, I, I quit. Yeah, I'm going into stocks. My name is Jordan Belfort. At the tender age of 22, I headed to the only place that befit my high-minded ambitions. The name of the game. Move the money from your client's pocket into your pocket. But if you can make your client's money at the same time, it's advantageous to everyone, correct? No. 
I started my own firm out of an abandoned auto body shop. We will be targeting the wealthiest 1% of Americans. I love three things. I love my country, I love Jesus Christ, and I love making people rich. Hello? But I needed to mold them in my own image. With this script, I'm gonna teach each and every one of you to be the best. This is the greatest company in the world! So, The Wolf of Wall Street released in 2013, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, Margot Robbie, Matthew McConaughey, Kyle Chandler, Rob Reiner, John Bernthal, John Favreau. I'll leave it at that. Do you want to add anyone? The Asian guy. Directed by Martin Scorsese. (laughs) And produced by Leonardo DiCaprio himself, along with Marty Scorsese. Leonardo DiCaprio was obsessed with playing Jordan Belfort. I fucking wonder why. (laughs) Like, geez. Do you think that on one of these many days of Leo landing around his enormous yacht with naked women just throwing themselves at him, he would have thought, gee, I wish I could do this and, like, get paid for it, like, as a movie? Sound sound logic. <laughs> like, really, you sort of look at the – take the Wall Street element out of it, but you look at, like, Jordan Belfort's life style compared to DiCaprio's. Now, I believe DiCaprio is not a uh, drug user by any stretch, but – this is this is a guy who lives to excess. This is a man who knows what it's like to have everything you want. So I think I definitely think there was some uh, natural attraction from DiCaprio to this story of Jordan Belfort. Yeah, he wouldn't have to do too much extra acting in this. Would he be like, I'll just do what I normally do, just a little bit more uh, pizzazz, pizzazz, a lot more pizzazz. <laughs> Speaking of Jordan Belfort, as we're going to a lot on this breakdown, he coached Leonardo DiCaprio on his erratic behavior, especially instructing him to, in the various ways, how he used to act to the quaaludes and all the dope and the cocaine. Yeah, all the all the drugs. So, yeah. I just have to take their word for it. I'm not a, a lewd kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it, Endo. How lewd of you. <laughs> And you'll find a lot of that improvisation in this film because Martin Scorsese encouraged a lot of improvisation in this film. I mean, it works so well. You ne- I was never watching it thinking, oh, this is improvised. Like, never. The script, I don't know, it's weird. Like, how do they account for all this improv in, like, Oscar contentions? Like, this was nominated for five Oscars, including its screenplay. How does that take into account when... You've got people saying, yeah, we were just told to improv as much as we can. I believe, don't oh, don't quote me on this or don't take my word for it, I'm guessing here, I think they actually just they get the screenplays. Would they get? Would the Academy get the screenplays for the film that they used and go through that? Well, gee, I don't know. I wouldn't have thought so, to be honest. I don't know. That was just a stab at how they would you know, find out the difference between improvised and written. Maybe they don't. Maybe I, they just go I, by I the film say, and go, what, no. quality written. That, yeah. is, that is genius, what they just said. Speaking of genius, um. I know that a uh, bit of trivia, uh, Aladdin didn't get nominated for Best Screenplay because Robin Williams came out and said basically all of his lines were improvised. Ah, okay. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, no. So I just, that's what I was thinking. Like we obviously, we saw Aladdin recently and there's a bonus episode out on that, but you talk about getting nominated for Oscars when there is so much improv here. How do they justify the writing nomination? I don't know. I'm not too sure. During the search for the right Donny, Martin Scorsese had requested a meeting with Jonah Hill, but Hill demanded that he audition for the parts. His first time he had to audition in six years. He wanted to audition for Martin Scorsese. Yeah, so much so that he actually took the SAG basically minimum wage of 60000 to be in this film. Yeah, good on him. He was that keen to be in a Scorsese. I mean, he'd, he'd done a Tarantino film by this point. Okay, let, let's talk about this. So, Leo and Jonah Hill are good mates, right? Do you know this? No. In real life, they're good mates. Mm-hmm. How do you think... 
Jonah Hill would have felt when he's earning 60 grand for this film. <laughs> here we go. And he's looking at his old mate Leo here. Hey, mate, yeah, got my back. Yeah, yeah, Did no, you, you right. take the minimum too? Yeah. $25 million Leo got for this. Highest paid of the year. That's insane. A quarter of the entire film's budget was Leo. It's quite a uh, lewd amount of money. Oh, okay. That's one too Ludicrous, many Ludicrous, you might say. That's one too many lewds for you tonight, Endo. <laughs> yeah, you said $100 million. That was the budget for the film. And it made $117 million in America. It was 28th for the year. But it made $392 million worldwide. 17th for the year. And is Martin Scorsese's highest grossing film of his career. To date. To date, of course. Is he still making? Oh, he's got the Irishman. Is Irish he still man. making? Yeah. Of course he is. So these actors, they do a lot of uh, snorting in this film. B vitamin is what they're snorting. Crushed up B vitamin. They snorted so much of this stuff that Jonah Hill claimed he was eventually sick with bronchitis and he had to be hospitalized from snorting too much vitamin B. Wouldn't you get like extra healthy? I think there's, uh, I think there is uh, too much of a good thing. Really? Yeah. It's been too long. I was trying to think of something witty, you know, like really hit home. But yeah, the listeners don't know how much silence we have to cut out when you're trying to think of a, a witty <laughs> remark. <laughs> It just sounds like it just sounds so flowy. So snappy, yeah, like, like well, I'm bopping, he, he's bopping. He'd be great in an improvised role in Martin Scorsese's films. <laughs> so, Dean, when we talk about Martin Scorsese, we talk about the word fuck. Yes, we do. 569 times it is set in this film. The most for an mainstream, R-rated, non-documentary film because there's this weird documentary called Swearnet the Movie that came out after it, which had 935 uses of the word. But let's not let's not talk about this random film no one's ever heard of. Let's talk about The Wolf of Wall Street as a mainstream R-rated non-documentary film for the most times of the use of the word fuck. Yeah, it's a lot. Interestingly, Scorsese had already held this record with another one of his movies. And that was Goodfellas. It was. Do you know what film that was broken by? Menace to Society. Have you seen Menace to Society? I got you to watch it. No, you did not. Did I? I've I... seen it. No. I'm thinking fresh. You're thinking of fresh. Um, have I seen Menace to Society? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I think I saw it when I was like yeah, 14 maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't mind it. Can't remember it. I mean, who knows at this point? Yeah. But if we're talking about overall expletive words, this has 681, which is the Guinness World Record for most mm. in most general expletives in a film. It's a lot. Does equate to 3.81 swears a minute. I wonder if that's the highest per minute. I'd imagine. Oh, uh. What about South Park? Oh, yeah. That's like that, a that 90 is a crisp, minute. like 88 yeah. minute film. Yeah. I reckon that might happen. I reckon that could have the, uh, the highest per minute. Yeah. Scorsese's longest ever film? Yes, of course. Over It's over three hours, isn't it? I thought it was uh, 2.59. Okay. Still long. It is very long. We've spoken about the, the use of language in this film. What about the use of sexual activity in this film? DiCaprio and Scorsese were able to push the envelope with their depiction of over-the-top sexual acts and scenes in Wolf of Wall Street and make the money they wanted to, primarily because the production was financed independently. Mm. That's how they did it. They did, however, have to edit out some sexual content and nudity to avoid the dreaded NC-17 rating at the request of the MPAA. Yeah, and I know that in some, I think they're Asian countries in particular, they had to take out three scenes um, from this film to actually be able to screen it there. There was even five countries that banned it overall. Do you know what the scenes are? Ooh, okay. I'd imagine it would be the bachelor party. Nope. Would it be the... Jeez. What? They're not taking out the bachelor party. That's probably the most obscene one. Nope. Just tell me. Okay, it was a gay orgy. Okay. It was Jonah Hill with his fake dick. Yes, the fake dick. 
and it was Leo blowing cocaine in the um, Venice's ass. Is it, was that Venice? I have no idea. It was someone. Anyway, one of the hookers' asses. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah fair enough. Yeah. And with an average of 8.2 over 1 million ratings, it is currently sitting at number 148 on the list. Not going anywhere anytime soon. No, definitely not. All right, Hendo, you got a plot summary for us today? I do have one today, just for you. Based on the true story of Jordan Belfort, from his rise to a wealthy stockbroker living the high life to his fall involving crime, corruption, and the federal government. How was that? That all right? They get you? It was a bit short. Well, aren't they all? It's a summary. <laughs> Some of them are really long. I know. That's when I go look for something else that's shorter. No, no, no. That was uh, quite succinct, clear, to the point. I like it. Thank you. Let's get into the film. Let's. So, we open with a look at Wall Street. Yeah, with this fake 90s ad for Stratton Oakmont. We get a couple of these throughout the film as well. I was actually- Square type of- I was expecting these to be the real ones. Oh, really? Yeah. I I think there's one in particular. I think the infomercial actually at the end that I thought, oh wow, is this a real one? But then you see Leo, and I was like, okay, it's not. But geez, they look well, it couldn't so- have been the real one because the guy actually bring, bringing Leo out was actually Jordan Belfort. He's one little one little cameo in this film yeah. right at the end. Mate, we are so all right, and that was I'm the end not, of the film. Final I'm not, thoughts? I'm not even talking about that scene. <laughs> well, he brings out Leo. Yes, no, I'm not talking about that. Which one? I'm talking about when he gets arrested. Oh, you think some of that was? Real? Yeah, when I was watching it, like it just all this stuff and this one included at the start, which is where we should be talking. Yeah, let's bring it back. <laughs> um, it looks authentically old, like yeah. bravo. Yeah, it's very well. But uh, it is very well. It is very well. Well, <laughs> very good, mostly. <laughs> but yeah, it shows the professionalism of this company, and then you go straight into them throwing midgets like they're dartboards. Yeah, the CGI lion walking through. Like, what is going on? So, <laughs> I did some research, and none of these exotic animals were actually ever in there. So we see snakes, we see the chimpanzee, we see the lion. None of that actually happened. But nevertheless, a nice touch from Scorsese. And we get our first little voiceover. Lots of voiceover. Classic Man, Scorsese voiceover. I never voiceover. realised how much voiceover Scorsese has in his films. Like, he loves it. It's good. It explains the story. It does. <laughs> it does. We have Jordan Belfort basically explaining his sick life to us, how awesome he is. Do you mean fully sick or, like, disgustingly sick? <sighs> I mean- You go- don't know, do you? It varies. It varies from point to point in this film. Does it? I feel like so much of this is so pro this lifestyle. Yeah. And doesn't that make you feel a little weird? It makes me jealous of Jordan. <laughs> but I know we're obviously going to be skipping a little further ahead here, but by the end of it, do you still feel like that? Yes. And I think that's the point. Like, man, we're all over the place with this podcast, but I think at the end when he, he does, he ends up doing 22 months in prison in this <sighs> looks like a bloody rehab centre. He's outside yeah. playing tennis and all this like, I think it's showing that crime, like being rich. Crime pays. Crime pays. You know, like really. Yeah, for this guy. He has ripped off so many people. He has lived the biggest life imaginable and he's gotten away with it, really. There's no question about it. He got away with it. Like, he he has not had his comeuppance. No. I mean, you got a movie made about him that glamorizes it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, we are on the same page. Yeah. Because it was hard to sort of like it finished and I was like, well, is Scorsese trying to say here that this stuff is all bad? 
The only time I actually ever really dislike the character is when he hits Naomi, which you know, I don't think there's some, some sort of smugness about him throughout this as well. Oh, yeah, but the problem is Leo's so likable, and I personally yeah. am such a big Leo fan that when I see him just he's just having too the, good, he's too good having the best time. I'm like, yeah, you go, Leo. <laughs> I've got your back. And the cops arrest him. He's like, leave him alone, cops. <laughs> there's nothing wrong. What did he ever do to you? <laughs> I mean, what do you think? I mean, I want to get to my thoughts like as we go along here, but nope, it, let's not. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's go to get the, the end. final thoughts. Like I said, it varies. What are we are doing time- Memento today? <laughs> there are times when I'm watching it going, this is cool. This is a good guy. And then sometimes I'm like, wow, you are a scumbag, and I hope that you get your comeuppance. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good because that at least um, teases some moments that I want to hear which moments that you felt like you're a scumbag. I think because I know the story about this guy and how much you rip people off, me looking at him as a true-to-life character. But we never get a face. We never see the victims in this film. I imagine this guy as a real person. I push past this Leo persona and I'm like, what you're doing is horrible and I do not like you for it. Yeah, you're a suave, you know, good-looking, smooth kind of guy, but what you're doing is despicable. And the way you're going about it and how smug you are kind of makes me want to punch you in the face sometimes. Yeah, but the problem is we don't ever we don't ever put a face to the victims here. He is ripping off countless people. Mm. We never see any repercussions and how he has impacted these people's lives ever. All we see is him making all his piece of shit mates and workers mm. filthy rich too. Yeah, and it makes me feel a little weird that they're getting away with this. Yeah. I mean, what would you think if they had scenes where people are losing their houses and they're you know, killing themselves and I think it would really change the tone and message of this film. Because what is the message of this film? <laughs> you can get away with it in, you know. That's that that is one of the general problems I have with this film. Let's keep going, shall we? <laughs> okay. As well as a lot of voiceover in this film, then there's a lot of fourth wall breaking, talking directly to the camera. We get Belfort here talking again about his sick life and what he does every day, all the different drugs he takes. Yeah. As he's walking towards, a, you know, his limo or whatever, he has a sip thro- of his orange sham- champagne and piss it like it's nothing. Who cares? Yeah, it's what he can do. Yeah. Even him flying his own helicopter when he's out of his mind. Even even him saying, like, the year I turned 26 as the head of my own brokerage firm, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. Even when he's driving the red car and then halfway through, he's like, no, no, mine was white, and then... The, the camera pans while yeah, he's still driving it's and like, it's white. It's like Jordan's watching the movie with us. It's like he's telling, I mean? he's telling the movie. Yeah, but at that stage, it's like he's watching uh, watching this movie. Ah, yeah, I see. Like, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's white. Yeah. And then it, in the blink of an eye, it just changes to white. Yeah. And I love that like Scorsese's game to play with the, the formula like that as well. Well, he's always good like this stuff. He's oh, filmma- his not- filmmaking techniques are fantastic. Yeah. Just I, in general. I know. I know. Sure? I'm not disputing that. And, you know, it's great. It's great that we're doing this movie whilst at the same time we're running through some Tarantino stuff as well. And these are two of my favourite directors for completely different reasons. But mm. Scorsese's control of like classic filmmaking and changing it and being brave enough to do it, it's, it's fucking incredible. Scorsese is one of the best. That's for damn sure. He really is. But uh, no, here, here he is in the car getting uh, some roadhead. From Naomi, we find out. Because he tells us. Can't say I've ever experienced that, Hendo. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. I'm watching this guy and you're like... <laughs> Damn you, Jordan. <laughs> you got Margot Robbie right there. <laughs> Just before he does go into his first job in Wall Street, I love this line he says here. He's talking about money. He's talking about all these drugs, as you mentioned earlier, that he's doing, but that's nothing on these biggest drug, which is money. 
And he talks about all these benefits of money and how money makes you a better person. I was like, what? How can you say that? But then he's like, you can give generously to your workers, your friends, you can donate to charities, you can give to political parties. And I was thinking about, like, yeah, you're right. You think mm. about how all these, you know, all, we think of anyone that donates heaps of money to charities like such a great person. It's just like, well, like they are, but they only do that because they have the ability to do that. Do you know what he's doing here? He's selling you on himself. He's that good of a sales pitch person. You've already bought into it. I'm sold. I'm telling you, exactly. I'm blatantly sold on this guy. <laughs> so, yeah, we move into Jordan's first job with uh, Mark Hanna, Matthew McConaughey, a little small stint here. Oh, small but memorable. Absolutely. This is the same year that he won uh, for Dallas Buyers Clubs. Beating out Leo himself. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Man, he's fucking skinny here though, isn't he? Yeah, you can see You can see this is exactly around the yes. time. And you can see that this is who Jordan eventually becomes. This Mark Hanna guy, he's, you know, egotistical. He's macho in a way. He Compare him to Jordan now when he's sitting at the at the, the table and he's so timid. He's like, oh, you know, I live with my wife. You know, oh, just, he's, I yeah. think Leo does such a good job of being the 22-year-old naive guy. He's just like- you are, I'm really thankful can, for this opportunity. You can, you can do drugs just like middle of the day yeah. and you, you can still do it. Jerk off twice a day. It's This scene almost was my favourite scene of the movie. Really? Yeah. Like I saw it and I was just laughing and I was so impressed with McConaughey and DiCaprio in here. The, the writing or well, improv, I don't, I'm not sure how much was improvised. Oh, the chest thumping was improvised. By chest the thumping was improvised. Even the look that um, DiCaprio gave yeah, off screen was actually that. to Scorsese. Like, are we going with this? Yeah. This, yeah. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, but uh, he gives he gives uh, Jordan the two keys to success in the stock market. And he talks about, as you mentioned, that <laughs> stay relaxed. Do you jerk off? How many times a week? And Jordan's like, oh, two times. He's like, nah, those are rookie numbers. You got to get those numbers up, man. <laughs> Myself, <laughs> I jerk off twice a day. <laughs> He's like, eventually you'll get to the point where you're actually thinking about money when you're jerking off. <laughs> it just shows like that mentality about where they're going for. And number two, obviously, he says is cocaine. Lots of cocaine. Lots of cocaine. But the way he explains the stock market to Jordan here, I think is really, really good because obviously everyone watching this film, not, not everyone knows about the stock market and how it works, but seeing seeing Jordan just be like, yeah, and if um, we can make our clients money at the same time, then that's beneficial for everyone, like, yeah? No, I don't give a shit it's about like, that. No, no. It's like they're rich on paper, right? Hmm. But you're the one actually pulling home the dollars. Yeah, you want that commission. Yeah, very... Very clever way of summing it up. Yeah, one and done performance from McConaughey. He's done after this. Well, after the uh, the stock market goes down and uh, Jordan loses his job. Unfortunate, but he'll bounce back, won't he? He will. It's interesting they didn't uh, keep McConaughey throughout the, the film because his character of Hannah actually does buy a percentage of uh, Stratton Oakland. 25%. 25%, which is huge, obviously. Massive. Yeah. Uh, I guess they didn't need him or McConaughey was off doing some other work. Like Dallas. That's right. And True Detective Season 1. How good is True Detective Season 1? Oh, phenomenal. But it's here that Jordan's out of the job. They've had the biggest crash since the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Kicked off in 29, I believe. Kicked off in 29? <laughs> Sounds like it's a, nah. a good thing. That doesn't sound right. Anyway, the biggest stock market crash since 1929. So he's looking for jobs and his wife's like, oh, I can uh, pawn my engagement ring and loving husband that he is. He's no, no. No, you don't need to do that. No. You can go get a job on How I Met Your Mother. (laughs) 
No, but he goes to a stockbroker job in Long Island. He seems a bit overqualified for this one, but he learns about the penny stocks. Do you know who the his boss is here? No. Spike Jones. Ah, um, being John Malkovich. Yeah. Spike Jones won an Oscar this year as well. Do you know what for? Hmm. No. Admittedly, again with McConaughey beating Leo in this film, he actually beat the writer Terrence Winter for Best Screenplay for her. Oh, I thought you were talking about 2018, the latest ones. Okay, never mind. Yep, that's good work. Good work. Hers, quality. Quality. Not in the top 250. Criminal. <laughs> yeah, but what, like I mentioned, the penny stocks. This is where Jordan has this bright idea. Like, oh, is his 50% face, commission. His face when it's like, yeah, you get 50%. He's like, what? Yes. You get 50%? That's where he gets the, you know, the selling technique. You can push this, push these penny stocks and make a fair amount of profit off this. I mean, this scene is another one of the, oh, oh this could be in contention for the greatest scene of the movie. I was this- doing, mate, I was doing my notes for this and I had- Favourite scene question mark? Favourite scene question mark? Yeah. To the point where I actually had to go through, okay, which one of these (laughs) do I have to pick? Yeah, these arrow time stocks he's selling. Do you know who he's selling them to? No. No, no. Do you, you're off the ball tonight. It's stuffed. I've got all the trivia here. I just don't oh, have a really? couple of these okay. voices. Who, who is he talking to on the phone then when he's know. selling the arrow time? Your mum. No, it was John, played by Marty Scorsese himself. Good on him. Good on him. <laughs> but no, his, his sales technique here... I mean, obviously, it's a movie and it's going to end up working, but man, it's so convincing. It's a, it's the Leo, it's the Leo factor as well. Like he puts in that performance, he's so convincing. But of course, this is what Jordan Belfort would have done in real life. He, he's yeah. he's so suave. He knows how to speak. He knows how to convince you. you know, seeing, sell me, the, sell me the pen. That kind of uh, that, yeah. and seeing everyone in the room just stop, yeah. hang up their phones, and watch this guy work is just like they've never seen anyone with this much passion or drive or ambition. Hmm. He's blown him away. But it's here that we meet Donnie, Jonah Hill. What do you think of Jonah Hill in this film? Oh, he's great. He is. He is. I mean, he's not a standout because Leo's in this film, but (laughs) he is fantastic. He's an interesting character, this Donnie guy. I can't really put my finger on the character of Donnie. Well, he's he's based on real-life guy named Danny Purish, I think his name was. That sounds right. Yeah, but he quits his job here once he sees the stub for 75K. (laughs) 72. Whatever. They have a little conversation and he's married to his cousin. Yeah, that's weird. That's that's actually really in, yeah. uh, in real life, married to his cousin. See, can't put my finger on this guy. I love I love the awkward way Jordan brings it up. Like, oh, there, oh, hear all these rumors. Like he's weird looking. Uh, he's like, oh, my God, really? It's like, uh, aren't, you, aren't you afraid your kid's going to be retarded? Don't you love his justification, though? Like, this is like comedic Jonah Hill coming out here like there's no tomorrow. Like, I, I guarantee you half of this is improv. He's like, hey, if anyone's going to fuck my cousin, it's going to be me. <laughs> all, I, all this is improv. No way this is this is Scorsese's script. Uh, Everyone's like, what, do you, what, do you, what would you do if he's retired? He's like, oh, we'll just throw him out of the... <laughs> we'll, we'll drive up to the country and let them free. <laughs> he's like, nah, I'm fucking with you. We take him to an institution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, when he's, right. Even then I was like... Uh, is he joking again? He, I just he, don't know. When he stops it, I'm totally joking. I'm like, oh, he's not married to his cousin. No, no, I'm talking about the, <laughs> talking about the kid. Blink <laughs> <laughs> out the back and uh, smoke some crack. Jeez. All right. I really don't think drugs work this quickly, just putting it out there. How do you know? I just, I don't think you it's smoke a- smoke some crack? I don't think you're it's all a, about the crack? I don't think it's a one hit and you're just like a wild man instantly. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> Let's go for a run. Let's maybe, go running. Maybe it does not your first time. Instant. Uh, but he loves it. Jordan fucking loves cocaine, he's doesn't all he? About, he's all about the drugs now. But they decide to go out on their own, branch into a new business, and we meet all their friends that come along, including Brad, John Bernthal. Sea Otter. Chester. I think that's the Asian guy. Robbie. 
But these are all the people who are going to become like these vice presidents of this enormous company just because they're lowly drug dealers that happen to know someone who knows Jordan. That's right. When he's explaining, they're all drug dealers. Voice over that. Yeah, they smell. They smell. Uh, they're they're pretty good at uh, selling. Mostly yeah. pot. Mostly yeah. weed. <laughs> but no, Brad John Bernthal is the main guy here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he reckons the real-life Brad, I'm not sure what his name is, it eludes me, eludes me. Um, How come you're allowed to do lewd jokes? Because I, I don't, I don't do it I deliberately. See what I did? <laughs> um, he reckons that over the course of you know his time knowing Jordan, he's sold him like 10,000 quaaludes. Nice. Good on him. <laughs> it's a fucking lot of quaaludes. And we get that uh, sell me the pen remark here. Yeah. Brad does a good job. Sell me that pen. Watch. Go on. You sell this fucking pen? That's my boy right there. This pen. Fucking right. sell anything. Why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you name down that napkin for me? I don't have a pen. Exactly. Supply and demand, my friend. <laughs> Supply and per- demand. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect answer. It is perfect. Yeah. It, it fits really well. Stark contrast to the idiots at the end of the film. Yeah. But here we go. Jordan's got a vision. Yes, he does. Let's reinvent the company, make out like it's 100 years old, mm-hmm. and do what we're doing with these penny stocks, but to the one percenters, to the top one percent, the richest one percent. And the way that they're going to do that is to build up their faith with companies that everyone knows, Disney, Kodak, yep. whatever, and then push Drop these, in, yep. then these push these uh, penny stocks in. It's, it's great. It's great. So what they do is they, so because so many people start buying these penny stocks, the price of the stocks go way up. Yep. Right. And then they dump the shares and that's it. Pump and dump. Massive amount of cash. Huge. And you see the business just gradually expand. It just gets bigger and bigger, big office. And everyone's just making tons of cash. I love That's the way, simple. Yeah, it is. I love the way that Scorsese shows how the business is growing. They're quick cuts. It's just, yeah. Same camera it's not angle. Even fade. It's a like snap, snap, snap. Yep, more deaths, more deaths. And then there's move location, people everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you Clever. need. You don't want it to be any longer than it is already. You just snap, snap, snap. This is where we're at now. And this is where you start to see the weird shit happening in the office. Yeah, at this point, they're making $28 million a month in commissions. Ridiculous. And I, I assume that's the office, though. That's total. That yeah, would be, that's yeah. total. That's yeah. an enormous amount of money. Yeah, and the sales assistant shaves her head for ten k. Yeah, that really happened for yeah. the uh, breast implants. And you get weird things coming in, like marching band comes in, champagne, wrestlers. Hmm. And Jordan screaming on the microphone at the front. Leo is- DiCaprio, he's, he's acting range in this film. Is is fantastic. I I saw this movie twice in the last two weeks. I actually watched it twice, once uh, earlier on, and then again to get a little bit of the finer details going. When I watched it the first time, and it was the third time overall I'd seen it. So the first time I remember watching it, I didn't really think too much of his performance. I thought, yeah, it's okay. Watching it again twice, I, I would say this is his best performance in a film. He should have won the Oscar for this over Matthew McConaughey for sure. He puts in quite the range here in terms of comedy, physical angry, nervous, like I think he puts in a wonderful performance. I don't disagree with you that he puts in a wonderful performance. Wait, I'm waiting for something here. But no, I, I do I, disagree. I'd, I'd need to give more thought to what his best performance is, though. Gilbert yeah. Grape. So, I mean, the Quick and the Dead. Just say the Quick and the Dead. You say that you? mockingly, but that's a great performance. Quick and the Dead. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, This Boy's Life is fantastic. I haven't seen that one. You're missing out. Basketball Diaries, obviously. Basketball Diaries, good. It's good. We we'll, can get just to, name, we'll get to those on our Leo films. We can just top name five, won't we? any Leo movie. Man in the Iron Mask. Twice the amount of work oh, he had to boy. do there. <laughs> Should have got him out of twice that year yeah. instead of none. 
But we also see the uh, FBI starting to look into him here. Yeah, we see this quick little cut of uh, what's his name? Is what's his name? Chandler? Kyle Chandler? Kyle Chandler? Where do you know Kyle Chandler from? <sighs> a few things. I actually I looked up his IMDb page today, and I Friday Night Lights. That's, Haven't that, seen it. That was yeah. You're not a. We've gone on record here. You're not a big uh, sports fan in general. American football in particular. I'm glad that's on record. Well, when you say it on a podcast, it's out there for the world. What else is he in? Uh, he was in Game Night as the older brother. He's, he, he fits the role here. He's good. He's good in this role. Hmm. Plays that straight man. Indeed. And the Forbes article that slams the shit out of him here. Yes, the Wolf of Wall Street. But he he sees it as a negative. Like they're, they're making fun of him. He's like, no, no, this is good. This is even yeah, oh, his, his wife. His wife Teresa's saying like, there's no such thing as bad publicity. But there is when you are you starting know, to get criminal, noticed by the FBI. <laughs> a criminal, and there is this well-known you know article come out in a well-known uh, magazine saying Explaining how he's ripping this people is off. How he is ripping everyone yeah. off. But interestingly, in real life. The name of the article was actually quite not as catchy as The Wolf of Wall Street. It was called Steaks, Socks, What's the Difference? What? Yeah. So Jordan Belfort actually was never known as The Wolf of Wall Street until he wrote a book and called it The Wolf of Wall Street. Called himself The Wolf called of Wall Street? himself you The Wolf tosser. of Wall Street. Well, he's a salesman. Right? <laughs> it worked, didn't it? You call his book Steaks, Sock, What's the Difference? Maybe not going to sell as many <laughs> copies as The sell Wolf of Wall Street. Sell me this book. <laughs> <laughs> But after this article, everyone wants to work for him. The work site, the workplace doubles. He just gets to the point where what, what's the point of having desks? People are just standing there working, and they have to incorporate some rules into the workplace now. Uh, no sex during work hours. This, this, there is this hilarious scene where this guy who christens their elevator getting head right, yeah. and they're just Donnie and Jordan are talking about how they double teamed her on a Saturday Arvo while their wives are out shopping, and it's just like, yeah, he ended up marrying her, odd because she gave head to everyone virtually. <laughs> But this is one of these points where you get that, I got that, oh, this guy's a scumbag kind of Is it because the guy killed himself three years later? But the way he says it, he killed himself, he got he was depressed. But, you know, moving on, the business was going well. I was like, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about anyone else except himself. That's funny, though. Not I, I, I think it is treated as a joke, but the way he says it, it's it's scumbaggy. You don't, I don't think you're supposed to, oh, this guy's a funny guy. He just laughed at some <laughs> suicide joke. Funny how? <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> But here's where we get introduced to Jordan's dad, Rob Reiner. Mad Max. Let himself go a little. Just a little. <laughs> this is an odd scene where he's at home trying to watch The Equalizer. Oh, and he's got the uh, the British accent on the phone. Yeah. How'd it get- That never comes back into it. No, that was bizarre. <laughs> so, well, probably could have lost this scene, quite honestly, but- uh, What about this scene where they're all uh, talking about- the thing we saw at the start with the midgets and the dartboard. Sorry, the little people and the dartboard because yeah, they have a big discussion about- Don't say sorry to me. Say sorry to them. They treat these little people like they're, you know, creatures, weird foreign creatures. They're like, don't uh, look them in they the eye. Jonah Hill, like, you can't look them in the eye. I think they refer to them as, like, it. Yeah, yeah, they, they say it. I, I guarantee you this whole scene was improvised as well. Yeah, it's quite funny, though. It's, it's quite awkward, though, seeing Jordan have this conversation with his dad about his life of excess. Oh, spending so much, yeah. And dinner and... All this stuff, like the prostitution the ring. Di- the different tiers of hookers as oh, well. That was so funny. <laughs> yeah, well, that was really was funny. Quite funny. What would be your preferred tier of hooker? Diamond. Diamond? Was that the top? Let's call it the top. Whatever the top was. Yeah. Not Are the we- gold class oh, standard. Okay, so what's your preferred tier of hooker then? I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, is anyone saying not the top tier? Yeah, you're always going to say the top. <laughs> like, no, nah, give me the one that gets passed around willy-nilly. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you get you do get this um, conversation between Jordan and the dad still saying, like, the dad's asking, like, how are things at home? And Jordan's saying, well, the attraction's faded. Some of these women out there these days, they, they, they do anything. They are crazy. <laughs> they're completely shamed. <laughs> and they're talking about bush. The eyebrows below, <laughs> not a hair there. <laughs> the dad's like, I kind of like the bush. <laughs> oh, classic combo. Oh, dad. <laughs> Got so much to learn. But here's where we have this house party, which actually was a true house party. Yeah, there's a, a, a clip of it on YouTube. I did watch that. Did you really? I did. I actually didn't watch it. How was it? It was fine. It's it's not as over the top as this one. You're saying it wasn't as good as the Scorsese version? It's in terms of a party. <laughs> the amateur filmed, <laughs> what was this be, late 80s, early I'm 90s? I'm talking in terms of Jordan. Like, How was the production the, design? And, <laughs> Lots of zooming in and zooming out. I bet out. the acting was really authentic, though. Oh, you should have seen Jordan screaming into that microphone like DiCaprio worthy. Did you see Jonah Hill's dick in it? <laughs> yeah, he's in the background. Jonah Hill is in the background of the real life home Having video. a tug. She's so <laughs> beautiful. Perfect. She's so beautiful. <laughs> Man, let's get let's get to Margot Robbie you here. You want to talk about the explanation of Quaaludes and what it does to you? No, you can take it away. Yeah, so quaaludes were originally used as some type of sedative to obviously get you to sleep. But, you know, people realise that if you get past that point, it starts to give you a little bit of a kick. And they show you exactly what it is in this incredibly slow-mo scene of knocking drinks over and hugs and all that good stuff. Hugs? Yeah, there's some hugs. Wow, they must be real high to There's some Jonah DiCaprio hugs hugs there. Uh, it also helps uh, get your dick out and having a tug in front of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> to Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Won't be the first or the last time. feel it's safer for me to not say anything. <laughs> oh, wow. I think you've just said too much, Endo. <laughs> Gee, no wonder you like this movie so much. <laughs> All right, what do you make of Margot Robbie here in this film? She's really good. She is really good. Her first uh, breakout role in, yeah. in uh, Hollywood. Uh, coming from the Australian TV show Neighbours, yeah, she's which fan- I never knew her from. No, she's fantastic in this. I actually have been kind of soured on Margot Robbie last few years. and it's Harley Quinn, wasn't it? And seeing Are you still here- bitter that you named your dog after that character, after seeing Suicide Squad? No, and I didn't name my dog after Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. I named my I dog he- after- He did, he did. No, I did not. The uh, animated Harley Quinn. Yeah, easily her best role, like by a I mean, that's mile. not even sad. Oh, people might say- like Tonya, I don't. Yeah. That's probably probably be Tonya, bad. Suicide Squad, the Will Smith <laughs> one, Focus, Legend of Tarzan. There you go. So she's been in a few things. What was that other one she did with? I uh, was it? Uh, I know. I think you watched it. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. Zed for Zakaria. That's the one. I only watched that movie because I read the book as a teenager. And it had Margot Robbie in it. And it had Margot Robbie in it. Um, also, she's in the Big Short. She's in it for a scene. I didn't say how long she was in it. Mary Queen of Scots. She, okay, she's been in a few things, so I don't think saying this is her best role is Once nothing. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, that's not out yet. It is to some people. And controversially, apparently she doesn't have many speaking lines. <gasps> I mean, how dare her? What? It's almost as if acting isn't just related to dialogue. It's crazy. <laughs> Moving on. Back to Wolf of Wall Street. But uh, Jordan does not give a shit about... Naomi's partner, boyfriend, I guess. No. He's just, oh, he doesn't even care. His wife is watching. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. That's fine. I do what I want. But (laughs) I think before he meets her, we get some great lines from, I think it's Donnie. I will let that girl give me AIDS. Oh, there's a couple in the background. I would fuck that girl if she was my sister. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's from like all the crew in the background after after she leaves. So funny. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, Suave Jordan goes out on a dinner date with Naomi. Does not care that he's married. Well, she does. She's like, uh, aren't you married? She's like, for that long. What we, what, we can't be friends? She's like, oh, we're not going to be friends. He's like, Whoa. oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> Loves it. I do love how there's the voiceover of him going, okay, I, we need to stop this. You need to go home. <laughs> and he's just he's like, yeah, I'm going to come for some tea. Oh, yeah, I can't call him some tea. <laughs> yeah, and then he get, he gets up in there and she's like, oh, let me just go to the bathroom or whatever. And he's like, all right, how am I going to fuck this girl? <laughs> just walks out totally naked. Oh, even when he gets the the, the beeper from his wife, it's like, okay, you got to go home now. Yeah, got to <laughs> go home. Turns go around. Home. So apparently Scorsese said she could walk out in like a bathrobe mm-hmm. and Margot Robbie said, no, 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 I think um, Naomi would, she's confident with her body, that's the currency she uses that's in this world. That's her money. yeah. So she would walk out naked. So thank you, Marco. Um, but she apparently was really nervous. Her first nude scene. She had three shots of tequila before uh, coming out and doing it. Getting a bit of extra courage to walk on out like that. Good on her. And I love the voiceover. And I went and fucked the oh. shit out of her for eleven seconds. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, it is. He's <laughs> just like, ah, did you come? Uh, no. <laughs> it's like, what kind of questions? That? <laughs> but you get a little montage here of them two. You know, casually hooking up every once in a while. But unfortunately, he gets caught by the wife. Yes, Teresa in front of a Trump Tower. Mm-hmm. And the way Jordan reacts here is kind of a, a bitch move. She's trying to talk to him like, do you love her? He just won't answer anything. Like he's just It's like he's waiting for her to say, we're done. Just so he doesn't have to go through the awkward conversation. He's, ta- he's just acting like a pussy at this point. I'm surprised it's never mentioned how much she would have got paid out for the divorcee. I don't know. I mean, legally, it should be half. No. Is there any prenup or anything? He was nothing when they got together. There wouldn't be a prenup. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's what I mean. Yeah, like- the other way around, yeah. No, okay. Oh, uh, well, maybe, well, maybe it makes him look more like a dick. I mean, maybe so much of his money's off the books. That's good. Yeah, oh, that's true. A lot actually, of it is. It's yeah, all, a lot of the actually. stuff. Especially with the, uh, the rat holes and that. It's all, yeah, in, all through yeah, cash. Yeah. Not a lot would actually be on the books, so she probably didn't get too much. Still, he had a big business. It's not really the point of the movie, I guess. They want to talk. Yeah, no. They want to but move on, get Naomi in. Just going back to real life, um, Jordan Belfort said after this movie, he thought it was fantastic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But one thing he was, I guess, disappointed with is that the film never showed that the business actually, for the most part, was a legitimate business. It wouldn't be able to survive if it was ninety percent criminal. He makes it sound like majority of it was legal. There just was this these few key things that were yeah. illegal. I also read that he was pretty disappointed with some of his portrayal. Well, most of it was negative and he agrees. Yeah, okay, that, that's true. I did most of that stuff. Uh, he disagreed with the fact that he hit Naomi during that big spat towards the end and that their divorce was actually pretty civil. Yeah, I did read that, but I did at least he said he had hit her before just not at the end of their relationship. So at least he wasn't trying to get away from that. Like, mm. if you did it, like, at least own up and say, yeah, I did that. Still a dick. Yeah, oh, definitely a dick, but... And even here, when they're at the front of Trump Tower, his wife walks away and you get that voiceover. I felt horrible. Three days later, I filed for a divorce and moved Naomi into the apartment. <laughs> it's like he doesn't care. He's like he just moves on. He's, he's all about himself. And here's where we meet the butler, kind of a rambunctious kind of man. Yeah, I'd forgotten about this guy. Um, very rambunctious. Not afraid to rent out a, a suite for a night? Yeah, and Naomi walking in on it. Man, that was rough. But, I mean, having the money, Jordan Jordan has money stolen from his... And jewellery, from and, his uh, sock drawer. Yeah. Goes a little bit gangster here. Old, um, his crew, basically, they all, get, they all do it. Yeah. 
So this is the probably the most violent scene of the film, I guess. Maybe, but it's over fifty grand. Yeah. And Jordan's like, eh, it's not. It's not. The, it's the principle. It's not the money. It's the principle. It's like, well, the butler seems to think it's a gay thing. I love that they're like beating this guy up. They're holding him over, and Jordan's like, oh, I had to call the police. It was getting out of hand. I was like, oh wow, he's called the police. <laughs> and the cops are like on his side. Yeah, and he pays him to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Yeah, but like I mentioned before, we hear about the rat hole now. He uses Brad to make more money by what does he do? Does he get Brad to buy the sh- the, the shares, and then he they drop the price, and he sells them, and he makes more money off of it. But it's all Jordan stuff. Like he's, it's his own shares. Yeah, so it's in Brad's name. And when they they because they're all these guys are like getting their clients to buy the stock, mm. so the price of stock goes high because there's a high demand for it. And then Brad sells it all at this really inflated price. Yeah. And then the shares, you know, basically pop, the bubble pops, and but Jordan's already got all the money out of it. And is that what he's doing with Steve Madden and his shares? Because later yeah. later on it's it's all that is under his name, which he's I believe he's doing the same thing. Well, the problem with that is that he's he owns a large part of this company mm. and he is getting all of his workers to call all of their clients to buy all this stock. Yeah. And that just inflates the price. They made was it twenty eight million in three hours? Like just in- oh yeah, when when that uh, when that goes public. Yeah, when yeah. it goes public. Well, company has to be public for it to have shares. Yeah, but we get John Favreau. Yeah, after we find out that obviously what he's doing is super dodgy, and the, and oh, the, feds, no, no. Are, the feds are. Uh- Hold on, do it. Do it some more justice. Yeah, look, <laughs> I know you're not following what I'm saying anyway, right? That's that's okay. That doesn't matter. The real question is this: Was all this legal? Absolutely fucking not. Yeah, that works well with how the uh, all the lawyers and the and the feds are coming in to look through the, the books and they they up the the uh, air conditioner to freeze them out and put them in the room. They soundproof the room and yeah, just whatever they can do just to get them to piss off. Yeah, but now we get him proposing to Naomi and they have the bachelor party. One of the most craziest bachelor parties I've ever seen. Pharmacy with wings. <laughs> that is ridiculous. And then it cuts to the nice calm wedding. Nice calm wedding with Sharon Jones singing Goldfinger. Yeah. Did you pick up on that immediately? Yes, I did. Did you realize it was the right person? Yes. Okay. I didn't realize it was the the exact same person. I knew it was a Bond theme, though. But apparently in real life, Jordan did have um, someone come and sing a Bond song. Mm. Did you see what movie it was? No, I didn't. One of the older ones. It wasn't Goldfinger, though. The weekend cost him two million bucks. Hell of a party. Mm. And we meet uh, Aunt Emma here as well. Yes. She plays a, a pretty important role in this film. Yeah, she does. For the little screen time that she has. Yeah. Did you notice uh, DiCaprio's dance? I mean, there's so many, there are so many gifts in this film. Like so <laughs> many true. times I was like, oh, that's a gif. Oh, that's a gif. Oh, that's a gif. Definitely. That dance was improvised, but he knew how to dance like that for a very long time. It's a weird dance. It's like, like yeah, like a smooth robot. Like he's pumping and he's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's quality. It's good. And this is kind of like, I guess, peak Jordan here. Like he buys the massive yacht. They buy the house. Everything's happy chappy. And then 18 months later. Yeah. And Naomi's throwing water in his face. I, I almost had this as my favorite scene. Really? This whole interaction is so good. This is kind of where we're up to at the start because you get the flashbacks of, how Jordan's coming home on the helicopter. He's like, you wake up the whole fucking house last night with your helicopter? And it's so funny seeing him like stumbling in. He falls through the, the bush and as he's walking along the pool and he trips and falls in the pool. Fuck, it's just, it was so far I was in stitches watching this. And just he's, he's, he's talk to Naomi. He's like, what are you talking about? Oh, I'm talking about Venice in France. Venice is no one. Oh, Venice Beach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's just, he's so 
I'm, I'm okay. I'm all good. Venice in France. It's in Italy, you idiot. Whatever. Fuck. Yeah. And Venice is this hook of pouring wax on him. Yeah. He's like. <laughs> safe word, safe word. <laughs> yeah. You can see the tease oh. that is Naomi here with the, the legs and the nanny bear cam. Nanny cam bear. Nanny cam? The bear. The cam. I don't know. In the bear. I love I love when they're fighting before back on the bed when she's holding the water and he's just like, he's like mocking her. Like, she's like, oh, these people came and I had to pay them. He's like, oh, you uh, probably had to pay them in cash <laughs> with your fucking hands. <laughs> it's like, that must be so difficult for you. That was good. It was really clever. Yeah. How many times did you try and freeze frame the. Uh, Margot Robbie spread leg shot, Hendo. Probably lost count. You sicker. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is a funny scene. Because she's, she's being really um, seductive, like really teasing him with, yeah. you ain't going to get this sort of deal. He's like- Even eh. when she spreads the legs, he just drops like a sack of shit. Say hi to Rocco and Rocco. <laughs> yeah, like, especially before he even <laughs> says that. They, they cut to them, like, get the fucking look at this. <laughs> but yeah, the Steve Madden IPO when he comes in for the shoes. Donnie eating the fish, kicking oh. the guy out. Yeah, so Johnny, apparently Johnny Hill actually really wanted to eat this fish. Yeah, he wanted to show that he was working just as hard as everyone else. To yeah, even though he's getting this- paid, you yeah, know, a percentage. But um, <laughs> they wouldn't let him. Like legally, he wasn't allowed to kill this fish. Yeah, so I believe that they he could only have the goldfish in his mouth for uh, three seconds, and they had to take it out and put it back properly in the tank. So yep. it was all good. Yes, but in real life, the real Danny did, in fact, eat this poor guy's fish. Unlucky. It was. But just back to Steve Madden. Do you know who played Steve Madden? Is Dustin Hoffman's son. It is. Mm. And do you know any more interesting trivia tidbits about this? No. Well, so Steve Madden in the film is childhood friends with Jonah Hill's Donnie in real life. Jonah Hill was childhood friends with Dustin Hoffman's kid. Cool. Yeah, see the interesting parallel there? I think they could have noticed that those two were friends and go, hey, I'll get my friend to play his friend. I thought he was good. It's not really outstanding trivia, Dean. Lift your game. Well, it's better than your no trivia, Hendo. Well, I'm just so tired of doing the trivia every goddamn week. Oh, I'm sorry if it's too much work for you. (laughs) Sorry I'm out golfing every day. (laughs) Hey, you want some trivia? Steven Spielberg spent a day on the set here. Scorsese claims that uh, Spielberg essentially co-directed this scene. He was giving advice to the actors and suggesting the different camera angles they could use. So there's some trivia. Suck it, Dean. Nowhere near as interesting as my childhood friend (laughs) did a trivia there. I think mine was uh, much more informative. (laughs) But no, the share's open and they make, like you said, what, $23 million in three hours? Close, $22 million in three hours. I'll take it. Well, I mean, of course you would. (laughs) Of course I would. Who wouldn't? But here we go. We get the meeting between Jordan and his private investigator. Now, how crazy is this? His private investigator in this film is the real-life private investigator for Jordan Belfort. Cool. They had they filmed this discussion at this restaurant in the real-life place where they had this discussion. Nice. Isn't that great? Anywhere where you can get it exactly true to life. Oh, I thought it was fantastic when I heard that. But he does agree to meet with the FBI on his yacht. Even here, I almost had this as my favourite scene. This whole yeah, interaction. This, this scene is great. Oh, man. Just just the back and forth here between DiCaprio and Cole Chandler. They're both acting like super friendly to each other. Yeah. But they both have hidden agendas There's here. There's so much under the surface. And they both know it as well. Yeah. Like they both know what the other person is doing. But And there's subtle like passive aggressive jabs <sighs> to each other. Jordan just can't help himself. No. He just cannot. Like because the private investigator is like, whatever you do, don't call him or anything like that. 
fuck? He's he got to rub it in. Yeah. Yeah. Because he thinks he's he's untouchable. Even at the end, the way the scene finishes with he pulls out money is like, what is this? Like a year's salary yeah, for you? Coupons. Just starts throwing them at him. It's man, he's good. Even when it like it becomes clear when he said when he he potentially tries to bribe him, and Kyle Chandler goes, "Can you say that again? Just the way you said it, just the same way." <laughs> and everything comes out, and even. <laughs> Belfort, after he's had enough of them. I think it's time you both get the fuck off my boat. What do you say? <laughs> Just the insults with the big smile. Man, great scene. It's so good. It really is. But even after they leave, you can see Jordan is, he's become nervous now. Once they leave, the you know the image stops and he's like, oh shit, okay, go do some uh, damage control here. Mm. So they start a Swiss bank account. Yes, they do. With the artist. But before they get there, he needs to smash some drugs. Lots of lots of drugs. <laughs> he cannot be awake during this flight. And this is where we learn about the different uh, phases of the lewds, uh, the drop of uh, motor skills, the drooling phase. Yeah. I mean, it's all ridiculous. When they're showing him in the club and he's just he just looks out of his mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. DiCaprio is so good. He is. <laughs> Even them all getting on the plane and they're just they're all fucked up. They're like, we can get away with this first class. <laughs> He wakes up and he's strapped down. Yeah. He's like, uh, can you let me out? Like, what the hell is going on? No, no, Captain won't let me out. Well, Captain won't let me help you out. He's like, don't you remember? And just like, smash him, like, licking the bloody <laughs> stewardess's ears and shit. No, but they're over in Switzerland now with, like you said, the artist. I think he's Jean, Jean Dujargon. I think it's Jean. Jean Jean Duardin. Jean blah, blah, blah. Swiss banker. Yes, extraordinaire. I like, I like the, the talking in their heads to each other. Yeah, again, what they're really thinking. What I'm asking, you Swiss dick, is are you going to fuck me over? I understand perfectly, you American shit. And again, it comes back to a rat hole. Put it, in, put it under someone else's name. can never come back to you. And so he gets Aunt Emma, Yep, his favourite aunt. It's a yep. weird, weird scene on the bench. It is. Apparently, uh, DiCaprio was legitimately nervous and it took him 27 takes to get this kiss right. Yeah. If it was me, I'd be really nervous with the uh, Margot Robbie sex scenes, if you catch my drift. I think the uh, 11 seconds would have been true to life. <laughs> <laughs> Even as the casual conversation is happening here with Aunt Emma and in his head, he's like, is she coming on to me? <laughs> I think she is. And then it cuts to her and you're like, oh like my God. Ages later in the conversation, <laughs> is he coming on to me? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. But we get back to America here and they've got this brilliant idea of getting the money over there, strapping it all to Brad's Slovenian wife. Which ends up being unnecessary because they end up all just walking through with their suitcases filled yeah. with money. I think they realise, hey, we can just do this. You were just talking about Margot Robbie sex scenes. There is a quick shot here of DiCaprio smashing Margot Robbie on a bed full of money. Yes. Margot Robbie actually said that this was extremely uncomfortable because all the fake money had sharp edges and gave her lots of paper cuts on her back. So she wouldn't be doing that again anytime soon. Tough gig. Yeah. I did find uh, Donnie quite funny here in this scene. He's hilarious. Sweetheart, you have my money taped to your tits. Okay, technically you do work for me. And him acting super tough to Brad here. Like, I'm in charge. I'll knock you the fuck out. You, you talk to me. Yeah. He just Brad, gets knocked the fuck out. Yeah. Well, Brad's a unit. Yeah. And uh, Donnie's Jonah Hill. So, <laughs> you know. But this next scene with them in the parking lot where Donnie drives real oh slow. Oh, my God. This was so great. out. And Brad's just like, what the fuck? You couldn't even go a day. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, uh, right. yeah. Ta-da. Sake. <laughs> And, like, Brad is not at all, oh, okay, good, you're not. He's like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. Like, you want to bring this much but more attention to But he keeps going with it. He's such a dickhead. Oh, who? 
uh, Donny. Yeah, Donny. Yeah. Donny is the dickhead here. Because he, he ends up causing the cops to show up and gets Brad arrested. And you can see afterwards he is shit scared of what yeah. he's done. Yeah. He's fucked up big time. Yeah, because he goes to see Jordan like almost immediately. Doesn't mention anything about it. Oh, no. He's like, let's celebrate with some lemons. Yes. They're all these bloody lemons. Yes. And this whole lemon scene is my... Excellent! I almost had this at, at it too. Yeah, I was as as we've said, we had so many, or I had so many that were like, "Oh, this is my favorite scene. This is my favorite scene." And then I saw this, and I was laughing. Britt was laughing. The performance from DiCaprio here. Once like, that shit hits, and he goes to the once cerebral it, even, palsy even when stage. It, oh, the cerebral palsy! My God, that was hilarious. But even before it's hit, and they're downstairs in their trackies, they're just like waiting, 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 and it's like, oh, and then the private, ev- oh. One of my favourite bits in this favourite scene of mine is when he goes to the hotel payphone mm-hmm. and he's like, he's talking and, he, and we understand him. And the private investigator out of nowhere is like, what are you saying? I can't understand you. And then we hear what he's actually. Yeah, and you're like, what? Like, what? Are you fucking high? <laughs> Oh, and then him trying, even all the, like, the Scorsese, you know, little plays that he's doing with the camera now where you see there's, the like, steps. yeah, the steps, the steps that go from, so like, good. seven to about 25. You see five, yeah, and then Jordan looks at it and it's just, like, an entire stairwell. The whole thing's incredible. Him saying in the voiceover, I drove real slow, I got there fine, and then it smash cuts at the end and you see his car Trash! It's hilarious. Oh, right after everything. Yeah, right at the yeah, end. Yeah, no, I love it how so it's funny. him saying, "I'm so surprised that I got home fine. It was all good." Yeah. And you're like, "Yeah, cool." And then the next day, yeah, you realize you notice that DiCaprio uh, opened up the door of the car with his foot. Yeah, that was improvised. He did, he wanted to do that. He actually, um, strained his back while he was doing that. Yeah, yeah. So he can only do it once. <laughs> only do it once. But even when he's when he's crawling, like I didn't catch this the first few times I saw this movie, but he's like saying, "I can crawl. I can crawl like Skylar." <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and even when he's like trying to jump, he's like, he knows Donnie's fucked up and he's trying to jump over that sort of island in the yeah. kitchen and he just, he can't move. Like they can't move. I, I think it's great when Donnie eats the ham randomly for some reason, <laughs> chokes and is on the ground and, and Jordan is trying to get up. And in the background, it's cutting in with him snorting the Coke and Popeye yep. eating the spinach to give him the energy. And he gets up and he's like, ah, he charges at him. Yeah. That was a good little contrast there with the, the Popeye going. Yeah, and apparently it was quite difficult for them to get the ham to stick to Leo's face. They ended up, <laughs> they ended up covering it in KY jelly so some would stick to his face. But after all this, we find out that Brad doesn't rat. Spends a couple of months. Is it a couple of months in jail? Either way, oh, yes. he gets out and he's all good. And this is where we get greedy Jordan once again. He's he's been told like you're you're basically done. Cut a deal here. You'll get out with like a slap on the wrist. Maybe you're fine. Yeah, he's told he has to quit the the company. That's it. Yeah, and uh, he agrees to it. He's like, yeah, I'm going to quit. And he goes to give his troops this, you know, goodbye speech basically, which is my excellent. Yeah, nice. I was wondering what yours would be. Yeah, I I went over those other ones we mentioned. Your one was a super top contender, but I just think Leo's performance in this scene is is top notch. Like watching him address his team, knowing that this is the end of his time there. He's he's reminiscing on where he started out to where he is now. And I think that does play in, like you talk about where he started out. He finishes his speech with the the chest pumping. The chest pumping. Yeah, he is the Mark Hanna now. He's yeah. taken that role. That slow, greedy realisation that he's not done there yet 
whether it's because of his company or the good times he's had, maybe it's just him not wanting to settle down. He wants he wants to he has to do something. He wants to be doing this stuff. He stays, he riles up the crew. He's not going anywhere. He he and I also feel like he doesn't want the the authorities to win. He doesn't want to let them like dictate what he's doing. He's going to try and get along, get away with it as long as possible. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great scene. They go party out in the yacht. Brad shows up and just in a quick little voiceover, we find out that he dies two years later of a heart attack. Yeah, age thirty-five. Yep. So that's it for John Bernthal in this film. Yep. No, he was, he was a good supporting character. He was. He was really good. And all the subpoenas come in. Donnie pisses on it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Crazy Donnie. So they flee to Italy. Before that, you get some interrogations, some depositions. Oh, yeah. All of this was improvised. Martin Scorsese just said, do whatever you want, anything at all. We'll just, we'll cut it all together. So that was quite funny. Some of the stuff was funny. Yeah, wasn't bad. But yeah, Steve Madden starts unloading all of his shares. And at the same time. Yeah, at the same time, Naomi comes in saying, Aunt Emma has died. Ah, this was hilarious. Like, Jordan is probably even more upset than her. And it's for, it's for not, the wrong reason. Yes, exactly. So when he's like, oh my God, he's like, so. He must be thinking, oh, he really cares yeah, about my auntie. No, you can't say much about it. <laughs> but they got to get to Monaco. Oh, there was that one sexy oh, yeah. kiss. <laughs> Monaco, ASAP, chop, chop. Got to get there. Chop is right. Exactly. Just a little chop. Just a little chop. Smash cut to this massive storm. <laughs> Still hilarious, especially, especially Jordan. Whispering to uh, Donnie, get the get the lewds. get the lewds. <laughs> Especially that line. I will not die sober. Get those fucking loads. But when they are getting rescued by the Italian authorities, uh, we see Jordan look out and see this plane that was coming to rescue them just blows up. Yeah, and he sees it as a sign that he needs to clean his act up. He needs to go straight. So that didn't really happen. I, don't, I didn't think it did. Like, there was a plane that was sent that did crash. No one died, though. And Jordan obviously didn't see it. No. <laughs> no a bit too uh, coincidental. Yes. And we get this classic 90s infomercial, the go straight. Was it get straight? Straight up? Straight up. Straight line. Straight line. There you go. I love how he gets arrested mid-record. Like, yeah. you think this is the legit ad you would see. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. It's two years later, isn't it, as well? Yeah. And he's, he's been sober for two years. Yeah, he's, he's legit I forgot up. about this. Yeah. Him getting sober would have been impossibly hard. For someone, oh, yeah, for so- someone who was just yeah. smashing drugs like yeah, it was. Gee, you paused for a long time there. And, like, he was de- fully dependent on drugs yeah. to get through every single day. So. Uh, he's done well there. Good on him. Yeah, well done. And he gets done because the bloody Swiss banker ratted him out because of fucking Benny Hanna. Benny fucking Hanna? Why? Why? Why, God? That's right. <laughs> Uh, we regret to inform that Benny Hanna will not be sponsoring the IMDb Journey podcast anymore. <laughs> Good one, Hendo. Good one. That's pathetic. <laughs> like your joke. <laughs> Sorry, jokes. Plural. <laughs> Ten million dollar bail. That is unfortunate. A lot of money. And we're basically into the point of the movie where Jordan needs to kind of rat out his mates. Well, I love that Donny comes to see him and he's like, "Don't worry about it. We'll cover all finances." Yeah. That's that's fucking great. Yeah, they because they love him so much. That if it was be, wasn't because of him, they'd yeah. all be still nothing. And he repays them by wearing a wire, <laughs> selling them out. Yeah, but that scene where he talks to Donny and he's like, "Oh, because you think watching it like he's doing it here, he's mm. ratting out Donny like his best mate." He's got that note. And he just slides a note over saying, I'm wearing a wild, don't don't incriminate yourself. But he's still like trying to ask, like, oh, what was that? Like, uh, how many million, you know? Yeah. He's just like, no. Nah. How do you reckon they found that note? I mean, 
I have no idea. Surely Donnie wouldn't have given it to him. No, and he wouldn't have taken it with him. Yeah, Interesting. I've, I've no idea. Oh, this scene with Naomi though. Yeah. Rough. It is rough. Um, this is just super scumbaggy, Jordan. This is right hate here. sex right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but he weird. thinks it's fine. That's the thing. He's like, we're good. We're good. Come on. Like when she's telling her to get the fuck off him, get the fuck off her, and he's like, what are you doing? Just don't do that. Don't say that. It's fine. We're fine. It's not even listening to what she's saying. Isn't that what normal sex is like? <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> You're never going to have sex with me again. Last time. And I'm done. <laughs> yeah, but there's a big argument here about- you know, custody of the kids. Oh, yeah. This bit gets of slapping, a, yeah. bit of coke snorting. This punch a, in the gut. The gut punch. That was fucked. Like the slapping, like she slaps him first, he slaps her, and it's like, mm, probably stop it. I don't like it. But then she walks out and he just, wow, like just punches yeah. her so hard in the stomach. And even when he grabs the kid and chucks her in the car and just backs out oh, straight. Oh, this is, yeah, this is this really like, rough. He's on drugs, driving his kid, crashing the car with his yeah. kid. It's definitely. Definitely a bad sign. Yeah, bad is, look. This is his lowest point. But they do find out about this note. So he's broken the uh, the contract or the law or the deal, whatever he's got going. So he gets arrested, as does everyone in the building anyway. Shows the, uh, this is the side of uh, crime doesn't pay right here. I mean, briefly, it says, the movie says he gets three years in Nevada. But the other guys, what happened to them? Well, we don't find out. Exactly. So maybe they're still in prison. Yeah. All right. I don't understand how they would get. I mean, I know that obviously Jordan's ratted them out, but it doesn't seem right to me, you know? It doesn't seem right at all. Like, why would they need Jordan to rat out all these people? They've got enough on them. I don't know. Yeah. Seems very odd. But we go, we get this shot of Chandler on the subway. Yeah, because. They were mentioning on the yacht. Yeah. Yeah, how he's, you know, I think I think Jordan says when you're sitting on the subway in your shitty clothes, think about me chilling out in my yacht with all my women. So now we cut to Jordan. He's sitting on the bus and we get the voiceover saying he's terrified going to prison. Understandably so. Yeah. Or not really because, because prison's he, a fucking holiday for it. him. <laughs> Playing some tennis. Because he, he goes about how no one knows how to sell anything in there. So surely he just ran the prison. Well, it's it said that money... Is the biggest thing. Yeah. And he has a lot of money. Probably got out for a spot of golf every once in a while too, I reckon. Nothing wrong with that. Has, but this is- final scene here. Yeah, this is where we get the real Jordan Belfort introducing Leo to the stage. In a motivational speaking conference in New Zealand. Say, he doesn't seem into it, I've got to say. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure he loved ratting you can tell that lots of money out. You can tell that, all right, he's got to work now to pay off his, his debt. Because he, he was in huge debt. Like, he was yeah. ordered to pay everything back. But uh, did you see who his cellmate was in prison? No. Oh, really? No, uh, I didn't see that. Gee, I might get his name wrong, but Tommy Chong of Cheech and Chong. Okay. So not only is he in this holiday resort, but he has arguably the best possible roomie you could imagine. Like this guy <laughs> the is- The most famous drug person. Just super chill. And it was actually Chong that convinced Belfort to write his book, The Wolf of Wall Street. Interesting. Yeah. I do like the good use of the ratio change. Did you notice the ratio change? Yes. Yeah, it spans out to the yep. real movie world once DiCaprio comes out and you get that, sell me this pen, sell me this pen, and no one's good at it. What do you make of the final shot of just all these people just staring at him, just lapping up everything he said? Well, I think it just shows that really he's where he's always been. You know, like you have all this stuff happen where – you know, he owes a lot of people money, he goes to prison, he comes back, he's still the same person and he still ha- he still has that same magnetic charm to him where people just want to listen to him. People just love this guy, worship this guy, admire, respect, well, maybe not respect, but admire this guy and he knows how to work a room. 
So he really didn't learn anything. I mean, not a lot. Hmm. Did we learn anything? Any last words? All right, mate, what is your final thoughts on The Wolf of Wall Street? Wolf of Wall Street. Three hours, did not feel it at all. And I was I was not looking forward to watching it, I'll be honest, because of the runtime. But this is a fun, fun movie. You see the the life and it's sensational. Like you just want to you want to be a part of it. And you can see why so many people got you know so caught in Jordan's lies. Because it's just a phenomenal salesman. And Leo sells it like there's no tomorrow. Leo is incredible in this movie. Scorsese is fantastic as a director. For me, I've seen this a couple times before. It actually went up for me. So I'll give this four and a half. Cool. What about you, you, Hendo? Scorsese, man, he knows how to put on a show, doesn't he? The style this film oozes is bar none. Scorsese gives us this drug-fueled, balls-to-the-wall event about the retelling of a notable scumbag, Jordan Belfort, Played wonderfully by Leonardo DiCaprio, who, like I said, gives his best performance in any of the films I've seen. The guy just, I mean, he gives it his all here. He goes from this spry newcomer to the most greedy, selfish, unapologetic human going around. His comedic chops are in full force here too, as well as his physical acting too. Really giving it his all here, and it definitely shows. The classic Scorsese-isms are all here once again, and that's not a bad thing. You've got great soundtrack, voiceover, writing, it all stands out. What drops this film for me is the runtime. I felt three hours. Oh, really? I, did I fit, didn't at yeah. all. It just It's just far too long for this film as well. And uh, I disagree. Even though we do see a bit of negativity, we do see a fair portion of the time of this glamorization of this asshole and the deplorable things he did. But that's the point. Yeah, but I didn't. I think we needed more negativity. We need to see the the ramifications of this in a more of a in, in more more. We need more of that. Yeah, it goes against the message, though. This guy Jordan Belfort, he really got off almost scot free from what he did, and the fact that he came out of prison and continued on his merry way, even becoming part of this film that makes his story out to you know somewhat positive way, yeah, kind of irked me a bit. Still, from a film perspective, Scorsese shows us once again that he is one of the greats of his craft. It's not one of his top tier films for me, but it's pretty good nonetheless. I give it four stars. Okay. I really thought you'd bump it up too. No, nah, no. Nah. I think it really holds up on a close close breakdown analysis of it. Four stars still for me. Okay. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where is this going to sit on your rankings? Okay. So looking at the other four and a half star films on my list, we'll go to number 16, which is Your Name. I do think it's better than Your Name. Number 15 is Stand By Me. Again, I think it's better than Stand By Me. 14, we're hitting up Toy Story. So next up, I've got Toy Story, No Country for Old Men and The Wizard of Oz. And I think it is going to sit, yep, better than Toy Story. Not as good as No Country for Old Men for me. So The Wolf of Wall Street is my new number 14. Okay. Hendo, what about you? All right, let's take a look at my four-star tier section. Starting at number 27 spot. With Django Unchained, I think it's better than Django Unchained. I think it's better than Some Like It Hot. I think it's better than Vertigo. I do think it's better than Once Upon a Time in America. And I also think it's better than The Grand Budapest Hotel. But I think The Thing is a better film than The Wolf of Wall Street. So I'm going to put The Wolf of Wall Street as my new number 23. 
Very nice. I'm Brad. I'm Justin. And I'm the Cinema Maiden. We are the Cinema Guys. We do a movie podcast. We're just three friends who love to talk about movies. And probably the best podcast you've ever heard about movies ever. Or is it the best podcast you've never heard yet? Ooh, but what if they have heard and they forgot that they heard and they have heard it before? Then they should listen again. Yes. Oh, dear God. Real quick, top favorite episode you've ever had of the cinema, guys. Go. Aquaman. We make fun of Brad the whole time. (laughs) Oh, Aquaman was a good one. Every other week we have a full episode where we give our top list. How about usually a new movie? Usually. Usually a new movie. You know, we always give at-home recommendations at the very end. But my favorite is our fun little banter. I think the lists are the best thing that we do. Yeah. The lists are fun. I love to make lists about movies. Just head over to wearethecinemaguys.com and you can subscribe, contact, listen to the show, all of that. As I always like to say, maybe sometime we will see you at the movies. Hey listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you all for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show to get our name out there and there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. You know, let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and another personal favourite of mine, CastBox. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can contact us on Twitter at twitter.com slash imdbjourney, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash imdbjourney, or you can email us at imdbjourney at gmail.com. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. Or if you're really loving the content and are looking for more, why not check out our Patreon where we post another weekly show breaking down films not on the IMDb Top 250 list. Yeah, that's right. What have we got coming up this week, Hendo? Well, Dean, like we mentioned last week, we're starting off our Quentin Tarantino film series of his three films that are not in the Top 250. So coming up, we got Jackie Brown, Death Proof and The Hateful Eight. But after that, we're going to be doing something a little special for the patrons, aren't we? Yes, we are. We're going to be breaking down one of Tarantino's films that is on the IMDb Top 250 list that we haven't already done. So that will be one of either Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, or Inglorious Bastards. And we are letting the patrons decide which movie we're going to be doing next. Yep, so we'll put the poll out for the patrons. They will choose what they want. And then after we've done these three breakdowns, we'll do our full breakdown of that film. Sounds like a good enough reason to join our Patreon, doesn't it, Dean? Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash imdbjourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. Rising from the depths of a state called Michigan... Two inebriated dorks prepare their plan for intergalactic domination. Mixing their extensive knowledge of geek culture with their insatiable thirst for alcohol, these two man-children bring you a show like you've never heard before. They will tell you tales from faraway lands and have you questioning their taste in beer. But make no mistake, friend, For the best coverage of your favorite comics, films, and TV shows, there's no better source for you to get your fix. So listen up, strap in, and prepare yourself as Jake and Tom conquer the world. Alright, now it's time for... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And... This could be it. 
And we've got a couple of reviews here. First one here from Jimmy Roberts. Personally, I feel DiCaprio should have won the Oscar for this over Matthew McConaughey. By far his best performance since What's Eating Gilbert Grape, an unbelievable true story that runs so closely to the book, a story of greed for the ages. All right, looking on our Patreon page, one from Ben Mulverhill here. I could watch this over and over because it's three hours of drug-fueled, bonkers entertainment. But but more importantly, Scorsese doesn't let that wholly distract you from how at home the evil Jordan Belfort is in capitalist America. Good review there, Ben. Well said. Next one here from Julio from The Contrarians. Scorsese makes his point in an hour or less, then proceeds to hammer it to death for twice that time. My tolerance for boys behaving badly humour isn't too high to begin with, so you can probably imagine how dull I found this when it stretched out to a monstrous 180 minutes. Mind you, I get it. He wants to give us the full immersive experience of being surrounded by these arseholes. It's an excessive movie about excess. Makes sense on paper, but on execution... It unfortunately comes out more as glorifying the lifestyle than condemning it, an accusation that's been leveled at the filmmaker before, but one which I never felt was accurate until this time. Hmm, interesting. Very interesting. All right, lastly, I'm patron here from Chris Beardsell, who was the kind patron who actually chose this film for us to review. Is The Wolf of Wall Street Martin Scorsese's best film? No. However, it, it is three hours of Scorsese flexing and striking all of his best poses, and I love every second of it. Everything in this film is firing at a high level, down to the directing, cinematography, editing, and the script by Terence Winter has such a cracking rhythm to it. In my opinion, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill give career best performances. My... Excellent! is the faux retirement of Jordan Belfort gets me every time. Even though it's three hours, this film breezes by for me. And to me, that's a sign of a great film. Great review there, Chris. Thank you very much for the pick. But let's head over to our email. And he's back. We've got him. The Wolf of Wall Street is a film that I'd say is indisputably great. The subject matter at hand is the true story of stockbroker, conman, Jordan Belfort, and it's delivered in thorough Scorsese style. The tone and delivery of the production is very much in line with Goodfellas and Casino. I found the film to be entertaining. There are no boring or slow parts, and you really are just drawn into DiCaprio's portrayal of the anti-hero. While he certainly lives a high life, it is also nice to see the downside of that. Hmm. The supporting cast is excellent as well, with Jonah Hill really standing out. He actually seemed to take on what would be the Joe Pesci role of the film, with his eccentric, deluded, gigantically inflated opinion of himself. There were lows with his character that even Belfort wouldn't stoop to. Not a whole lot to say otherwise. The film is an experience. Quality cinema. Thanks, Shane. Good to have you back. Thanks, Shane. All right, let's get into... That's my question! The question, jerk! where we asked you, what is your favourite Leonardo DiCaprio film? And let's start over on Twitter from the Always the Critic Movie Podcast. Choosing one is tough, but I'm going to have to go with Inception. From Dylan Knows, Catch Me If You Can. Nick at the Epic Film Guy say, Revolutionary Road, still Leo's best performance in my opinion as well. I haven't seen Revolutionary Road. I have not either. From the Trailer Junkies Podcast, Favourite movie, The Revenant. Favourite role, Django. What does it say about you? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Here's one from one of our patrons, Dave, at the Super Movie Bros. Not my favourite Leo film, but my favourite Leo performance is Wolf of Wall Street. Ryan L. Terry says Romeo and Juliet. Carolina says The Departed all day. 
House Harker says, catch me if you can. He played that character perfectly. I agree. Melissa from the Brook Reading Podcast says, what's eating Gilbert Grape? He stole the show, despite the fact that the main narrative wasn't even about him. Next up from Matt Neglier at the Next Best Picture Podcast, easily my favourite actor. My favourite film is probably The Wolf of Wall Street for his performance and sheer amount of quotable dialogue. Here's a different one from the Invasion of the Remake Podcast, The Basketball Diaries. It was an incredible performance and showed what he was capable of very early in his career. Next up from Retnohap, Body of Lies. That's a different one. Very different. And our last one here from Trevor Newton, Shutter Island. Mm. Let's head on over to Facebook, where we got a couple of responses this week. No doubt Hendo's mum, quite the Leo fan. Say that like it's a bad thing. All right, no surprises here from uh, Hendo's own mother, Romeo and Juliet, and Titanic. Can't choose between the two. Can't separate them. Here's one from Rob Manafield, the Wolf of Wall Street. Tom Powell says Inception. Mark Harris says if I had to pick one, it would probably be Inception. However, Django and The Departed are also fantastic. Just pick one, Mark. Uh, one here from Dale Beckman, Shutter Island. Chris Waldridge says The Departed. Oh, sorry, The Departed. More heartbreaking than real life deaths. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shots fired to people Chris knows. <laughs> Next up from Michelle Jane, catch me if you can. Love me at True Story. And our last one here from Josephine Olnitz, I stand by it, Titanic. All right, over to our Patreon. Ben Mulverhill says it's this week's film, The Wolf of Wall Street. Shane Jeffrey says the best film DiCaprio's been in is The Departed, but his best performance is probably Django Unchained. When you think about it, he certainly has a massive body of work. Truly one of the greats of our generation. Dan Brennick says, Inception. Hayden Gerloff says, The Departed, followed closely by Inception. And our last one here from Mr. Chris Beardsall. Favourite film, The Departed. Favourite performance, The Wolf of Wall Street. Now, thank you very much, everyone, for your responses. But then it is time for our top five Leonardo DiCaprio films. All right, mate, let's kick it off with you. What is your number five? Django! 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 Yeah, me too, mate. Number five. All right, my number four is Romeo and Juliet. Okay, my number four is Shutter Island. Really? Yeah. See, you're big on Shutter Island. Yeah, it's my number four. What about you? What's your number three? The Wolf of Wall Street. Same. Number three, The Wolf of Wall Street. Right, so we're going to have the same top three then. Number two, Inception. Number two, The Departed. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what does that make your number one? Oh, what do you think? The Departed. What's my number one? Inception. Yes. <laughs> uh, actually, no, it's a Revolutionary Road. And for next week's question of the week, Mr. Chris Beardsall has gone for, since we're halfway through the year almost, he wants to know what our top five anticipated films are for the rest of the year. Yeah, we're six months in, so some films could be added, some films could be taken off. We'll have to see. We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? All right, Dean, it's time to find out who won the draft from our Pod v Pod 20, where we drafted 1999 films that were not on the IMDb Top 250 list. And I was, of course, Team 1, which was Magnolia, Office Space, American Pie, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, and Galaxy Quest. And I was Team 2. I had The Iron Giant, Toy Story 2, 10 Things I Had About You, Austin Powers, and The Spy Who Shagged Me, and Cruel Intentions. Now yeah, let's take a look at some responses. First one here from the Nerd Cantina. It's me! <laughs> John Mark Junkins from the Junk About Movies podcast goes with Daniel as well. 
Galaxy Quest, Magnolia, Office Space should all be on the top 250. My man Colby Mack says, wow, this is a tough one. Shit. Oh, man, I'm going to go Team Dean. Sam at the Movie Reviews and 20Qs podcast has given us a little graph of uh, who got the right ones and who got the wrong ones, but basically he went, my team. But Magnolia sucks. How dare you, Sam? How dare you? Magnolia's awesome. <laughs> Brits on Bikes says, I can't believe you made us vote against the Iron Giant. Well... That's what, that's the effect my team has on people. Speaking of my team, Kyle Flyberg and Tobias both pick me. Pinter Comics' Sir John says, Team Dean is a clear winner with three strong films right ahead of Cruel Intentions. They can't all be singers. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one here from Mackenzie Lambert, Office Space and Galaxy Quest, sold. Team Daniel. So let's take a look at the results here. 51%. Super close. It was. And if you've been paying attention to the comments at all, <laughs> there's no surprises. I'm actually surprised it was that close considering all these negative Dean comments. But no, Hendo did end up getting up in the end with 51% to my 49. Thank you. Thank you, Dean. It uh, took me a while to get a, a win from the, the Pod V Pod, but it did. I got there. You won that section, but I won the Pod V Pod, yes. Yes, that's true. I've come to terms with that. Good. So, I lost this one. You got a movie for me? I do. Uh, this is a movie that we've probably heard or seen a bit about. Is it Revolutionary Road? No. Can it be? It's a foreign film. <laughs> oh, come on. It's a foreign film from a while ago that I, I just want to see what you think. <laughs> Pretty much like Mishima. It was the one I was going to pick that if I wasn't going to pick Mishima. Oh. Here we go. I'm going with Andre Tarkovsky's The Mirror. Okay. Dean just fist pumped. <laughs> I've heard of it. His fist into his face. All right. Yeah, I have heard a bit about this film. I'll uh, be sure to check it out and let you know what I think. Okay. So you'll see all those reviews from us, from all those films we talked about on next week's Pod V Pod. There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin. All right, Dean, it's time to get into the final 16 in our best 1970s film tournament. All right. The first match here, we've got the number one seed, the Godfather, taking on the underdog, Rocky. <laughs> Unlucky Rocky. Uh, next up, we've got the number eight seed, Taxi Driver, against the number nine seed, The Sting. Next match here is the number four seed, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, against Stalker. Should we just put Star Wars through now? You never know. Next up, number five seed, Apocalypse Now, takes on number 12, The Deer Hunter. It's a good match. It is. Another good match here, for me at least. Number two, The Godfather Part 2, against the number 18 seed, Jaws. Number seven, A Clockwork Orange is up against number 10, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Number three, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest takes on the number 19 seed, The Exorcist. And lastly, we've got our number six seed, Alien, up against the number 11 seed, Chinatown. Couple of good matches in there. Definitely is. These are some epic films. Absolutely. Except yours. How dare you? Oh, and- oh wait, you didn't say Rocky. Yeah, yeah you, heard and- you, heard Rocky. you heard it. You heard it, you heard it, you heard it. So, what's next? All right, Dean, time for me to choose a movie. Now, I've had a bit of thought about this. I've got a couple in mind, but I've said all- We only need one. Just one? I can't pick more than one? Now, we've just done a Scorsese and DiCaprio film, and there is another Scorsese and DiCaprio film on the list. Do you know what I'm talking about? It is a very well-known cop film, I guess. The Departed. Yes, that's right. So, my choice is going to be the original Infernal Affairs. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Fair enough. No, that's good. I haven't seen it, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to rewatching it and seeing how it compares again to The Departed. Very good. All right, that's going to do it for this week, Dean. It was great talking to you once again about a very good film. It was finally fun. we're back on a very good film. Finally. <laughs> All right, next week we're going to have another Pod v Pod with some other awesome guests. It's going to be another great battle as always. And we'll also be talking about what else I've been watching. Now, Dean, have you beaten your record of uh, one? <laughs> yes, I've watched more than one film. Fantastic. I'm jumping for joy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, listeners, for tuning in this week. We will see you next week for Pod v Pod 21. Bye. Bye.